0: Hey, it's Amy Brown here to talk about St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. For 60 years, St. Jude doctors and researchers have helped push the overall childhood cancer survivor rate from 20% to more than 80%. But we need your help getting that number to 100%. And most important, your support means that families will never receive a bill from St. Jude for treatment, travel, housing, or food. Now, that peace of mind means so much. So join me in helping St. Jude in the fight against childhood cancer. Become a partner in hope and text BOBBY to seven eight five eight three three. That's B-O-B-B-Y to 785 Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. You know, before they were legends of Outlaw Country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted, audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the rise of outlaw country music and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision in her tiny living room, far from Nashville's music row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boars Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash the Boars Nest. <sighs> Allergies are killing me. They're, oh, they're really? You? They get you at all?
1: I don't get them too bad. I get tired, like I'm tired today, Oof. but I don't start like having all the symptoms. I just when I start to get extra tired, I realize it's probably allergies.
0: Hey, we're gonna start, I guess. I feel <laughs> great. I just because I, I rode my bike for like the last hour. I have a, I have one of those Pelotons? Uh huh. One of those?
1: Uh, no. I just bought a NordicTrack treadmill, which is really cool. Oh, 1990, same 1990. thing with the screen, and you okay. work out with people and go on runs. So it does that now? Yeah. Because when you said Nordic track, I
0: thought, like, 1994 represent, like, you're you're keeping old school, but now they they do. It's got the Wi-Fi connection. Yeah. So I rode hard, and my body felt great, but these allergies, it's like my whole head is just like... Anyway, I have to do that during the podcast. Yeah. Apologies. By the way, episode 167, we're starting it now, uh, Trevor of Old Dominion. But what I didn't know, Trevor, is all these songs pre i guess enduring old dominion too that we're going to get into that you wrote i, uh-huh. mean, I mean who knew you were so rich <laughs> <laughs> well i don't know i look at this house oh, i guess i'm not rich enough <laughs> come on uh so uh oh here's something i was you were coming in i don't know why mike d walked up here to produce the show and i was singing uh zoot suit riot you familiar with that song oh yeah zoot suit riot yeah I was thinking about band names because I was thinking about you guys' name because mostly I saw Old Dominion playing in the NCAA tournament recently, uh-huh. which has got to be weird to, for people to go, Old Dominion? Old Dominion? That's just kind of a weird thing because as you guys have gotten more
1: popular, yeah, now you kind of
0: own the name to some people yeah. more so than the university does.
1: I think so. It's like uh, we couldn't have foreseen it, but it's like free advertising for sure.
0: And so with the name, I, this – The name of this band is Cherry Pop and Daddies. Uh huh. And just think about that for a second. (laughs) (laughs) That, and I don't know if a band could be named that right now.
1: Certainly not a country
0: band. (laughs) (laughs) I remember I was doing pop radio at the time, and this song, this whole sound was big. It was um, like Cherry Pop and Daddies, and Brian Setzer Orchestra. Um, There are a couple more of these like. Big, bands. Big Bad voodoo Big Bad voodoo Daddy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is my name on my email, Big Bad voodoo Bobby. Um, and so uh, but I was thinking, cherry Pop and Daddy it's like when you break that down, and we don't need to right here. but that's a that's a wild band name. It really is. They couldn't I don't think it'd be a pop pop band name right now, or it could cross into the mainstream.
1: Yeah, although I mean, it does have that thing where like, if you're young enough, you have no idea what what they're talking about, but there's no way there's no way.
0: That's the pervious band name as I'm thinking
1: about it that's ever been on the radio. Like,
0: I'm thinking, about, again, it all came to me because I was thinking of you guys' band name. And not that Old Dominion and Cherry Pop and Daddy's are the same thing by any any means. But that's maybe the perviest band name I've ever heard that actually had a hit.
1: It really is. I, f- I forgot. Like the you, Butthole Surfers? Yeah. It just, like, it starts to become, like, that's just the band name. You forget yep. what the name actually is. Yeah, it's terrible. Do you remember
0: Butthole Surfers? Yeah. Pepper, we used to have to call him the B hole. This is, again, I was a teenager. I was on the radio as a teenager. Mike, pull up Pepper if you don't mind. And uh, th- this song came out, and at first you could say Butthole, and then everybody started to crack down. Really? I'm Butthole? Yeah. Do you remember this? Yeah. I thought it was such a jam
1: back then. It was. The so
0: weird. And I cool. don't mind the sun sometimes. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> that was good. Anyway, uh, yeah, look at you guys. You know what's cool? I think now, and I say this not even just to your face. I think you guys are my top three artists right now, period, and my favorite band. Wow. Thank you. Which I did not see coming, frankly, just because you guys, all of your, let me break it down for you. Whenever you guys all get together, you're like, there's a bunch of guys like me, like normal dudes, right? Uh Uh-huh. But then your records are all, every song is so freaking good. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm not saying this is to your face. I say out of your face. I also say it to your face when you guys come in. But, like, I listen to your whole records. I listen to nobody's records. I don't give a crap about records. Wow. I'm in the land of put out, put a single out, give me three songs, come back in a few months, give me three more songs. But when you guys put out a record, I will say you've put out the best records consistently of the past few years wow. as a well, band.
1: thank you for saying that, first of all. I mean, that's a, that's a huge compliment. But, you know, I, I think for us as songwriters, I mean, we have, well, five of us are writers. Three of us have had publishing deals for a long time. So I think that's always been our goal as we've just write so many songs and we're constantly trying to, you know, trim the fat and just, uh, you know, come up with a collection of the best songs, our favorite songs. So we always make that our goal. And it's funny in these days, like people say, ah, oh, people aren't even going to be putting albums out pretty soon. It's just going to be singles. But I always think like, well, I, that's part of the fun for me. Cause I always loved bands that I could listen to the, the, album all the way through. So it's, it's definitely a compliment to hear you say that because that for me personally is a goal. I don't want a skippable song.
0: There are about three, maybe four artists who've put a record out in the last couple of years, not including some of my friends and I'll tell them, eh, you know I deleted a song seven. It, you know, I'll try to be as honest Yeah, because I believe if you're honest all the time, then the compliments actually matter. I agree. 100%. So if I tell my friends, ee, you're not really feeling that so much, when I do say I'm feeling that, they know I'm telling the absolute truth. Yeah. And let's be honest, too. You get surrounded by, with a little bit of success, you get surrounded by yes people all the time. And, absolutely. And as fun as that is, everybody likes good back scratch, but <laughs> it starts to be detrimental to what you're producing if I, everybody likes everything. I think it absolutely is. That being said, Dan and Shay's last record, fantastic. Amazing. Front to the back. Um, You guys' records... Uh, Stapleton, the uh, traveler, and from a from a room one, two. There were a couple. I was like, yeah. But Casey's last record, and I was on that, and I and I stopped talking about it because I don't want to be that guy who's like, oh. Once it got cool, I backed off. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't <laughs> want to be the guy because I was screaming about it when it first came out, and then it got cool, and I stopped screaming about it because right. I was like, I don't want to be the tool that's like everybody thinks I've just jumped on the, the. But right. My point is, before I move to some songs here, is that you guys are are just quality and quantity and it's so rare and that's why I was pumped that uh, you came.
1: Oh, well, uh, thanks for having me and thank you for saying that, man. I really, that is a great compliment. I'm going
0: to slam some number ones here real quick from Old Dominion. Uh, Hotel Key wrote this one. All these that I play are, are, you pretty much wrote all the singles with the band, right? So far, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hotel Key, Jam, which, you know, my co-host and my best friend Amy, that, that was her way early when that song was just released. She was like, I don't know anything about music and she doesn't. But she's like, this is the, one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. And <laughs> well, so, um, Written in the Sand, Jam, Jam. Thank you. Uh, no Such Thing as a Broken Heart. Play this one. Yeah. Is that dead? That the chart? You don't have that one? <laughs> go. Uh, song for Another Time, "Snapback." Here we go. Break Up with Tim. I just want to let everybody know what we're doing here. Here's the, Here's the song that I love right now, and I have a story about it. Uh, one Man Band, first of all. This is my favorite song maybe that you guys have ever put out. Oh, thank you. I, it, It's one of my favorites, too. Of all the songs that I love, this, this might have been probably my favorite song you guys have ever put out. Also, because mm-hmm. with music, you find a song and you you relate to it. You start to go,
1: oh, like somebody feels like I feel. Uh-huh. And isn't that what's cool about music? It really is. Yeah. I, I mean, like I always grew up melody first. I think when I started and Nashville really taught me how to be a true lyricist and connect with people but that's like the holy grail when when you have a song that you would love anyway no matter what it says but then the lyric really kind of nails a sentiment that you know hits a lot of people that one hits
0: me maybe because I'm single and I'm like finally I need to be that (laughs) but that one hits me and so have you heard the Matt Ramsey story about me messaging about this song? Yes. <laughs> I feel like such a
1: douche, because I think he didn't get my joke. Oh, no. He, he was like, Bobby said I should give uh, Brad a raise. <laughs> I'm like, oh, give him a raise. Give me a raise, too. But, that's I, I thought it was funny that like Matt was the boss that was paying us. I but thought.
0: that's not the <laughs> point. Okay, look.
1: okay. No, so, he got it, like you were saying.
0: He, he didn't seem like he got it, and I felt like the biggest tool. I said I sent him a message, because I follow you and Matt on Instagram. And and so I, I, I was listening to it. Cause you know, you make a playlist and you only listen, you know, you listen like 15 songs currently, switch it out. Like you're on a flight, you do whatever. And I'm listening to it and I hit him up and say, Hey, who's singing the harmonies on this song? And he says, Matt, uh, Brad, Brad, Jimmy, yeah. Frank, somebody. <laughs> Sound like Amy right now. Yeah, I know. That's a whole other <laughs> thing. So I go, I said, man, he's singing the crap out of those harmonies. Give him a raise. Just an expression. Yeah. Literally just an expression. Like, Hey, the, the guy singing the harmonies rarely gets any credit. Like Tell him I said that really good. And he go. He goes, well, we don't really, we're we all paid the same. <laughs> and he said it so dryly. And I was like, I don't think you think I was kidding. So I replied back, and I said, okay, I'll tell you what. All five of you get a raise. And he goes, that's really not how it works, man. You know, we're built. This. And <laughs> he I'm like, broke he, it down. I, yeah. I like. He thinks I'm the biggest tool. <laughs> he thinks, I think you guys need money. That's and I, so funny. It was just... Because me.
1: on our end, we knew you were kidding, and we all laughed about it. But it's funny, on your end, you think that... He, we thought you were. I so felt serious. like the biggest douche because I thought <laughs> Matt thinks I am saying everybody in the band needs a
0: raise. Ah, that's funny. Anyway, that's my favorite song, and I like and I one of the songs I used to play on my show that was uh, not a single was "Stars in the City" uh, with Little Big Town. Oh yeah, jam too. Mm. Yeah. Thank
1: you. City, yes, I do that. I do a t- a <laughs> terrible that's song. what we sound like live sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wait, so you were in the studio today. You guys still work? Uh, yeah. Yeah. What's, yeah. That, what's happening with you guys?
1: We're very close. I mean, we almost got record three done today. I think we got everything done. There was one song we were still wrestling with for about five hours, but uh,
0: very close. With five guys, and I'm assuming it's a a five-way partnership-ish? It is? Yeah, it is. That's a lot. Is is that a vote? Does it ever go to the democracy? You know, it's a discussion,
1: you know, and everybody kind of has their area of expertise. You know, we've known each other for so long. I mean, you kind of know who, you know, if somebody has a strong opinion, and that seems to be their area, you know. We'll kind of defer, but everybody out has an opinion, and usually we'll agree. Our musical minds are pretty on the same page. But when we disagree, we just kind of talk it out, you know. And then you'll settle on an answer. Very rarely is it like where two guys are really head to head and 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 just won't let it go. And then at that point, we will kind of go, "Well, what's what's the consensus here? What does everybody what does everybody think?" And so, I mean, it's like being married to four different people i mean you do have to sometimes fight for what you want but then also realize you're one of five
0: you five have known each other like who knew each other the longest
1: um yeah it's kind what's of what's the band dynamic here it's it's interesting because we get asked that a lot and we usually have like 30 seconds to give a tidy answer but it's a it's a little longer i think wit and matthew went Wit he plays drums with the drummer yep. and matthew the lead singer they they went to Uh, middle school together they were in the same they grew up in the same area and um so they knew each other i think technically the longest but then in college they all went to college somewhere in virginia including brad who was from connecticut he went to school in virginia as well so they all kind of knew each other in college actually wit and jeff the bass player played in a band together in college and they would play shows with brad's band sometimes and matt was kind of playing in the same circuit so they had a history before any of us moved to nashville but then about mm, 16 years ago, I moved to Nashville, and Matt had just moved there recently. And um, he's one of the first people I met. We met on stage at a writer's round. and So we kind of started writing a long time ago. I think in Nashville terms, as far as being co-writers and collaborating, I think we've probably done the Nashville songwriting thing the longest. But
0: What was the idea for you when you moved to town?
1: You know what? I wanted to move to be an artist, like I think a lot of people do when they move here. A lot of songwriters end up just being songwriters, which is fine. Um, But I moved here. I wanted to get a record deal and everything. and So I was sort of going after it that way, but then got a publishing deal. And, you know, you sort of hit a wall a little bit sometimes when you're going for the artist thing, you realize just how much competition there is. And, and, uh, you know, and then I loved songwriting. I loved the art of songwriting and started pitching songs and realizing that, that was a possibility too. So at some point I really didn't think any of this old dominion or artist thing was going to happen. I sort of set it aside and went, you know, I want to be a songwriter and that's, that's a great life to have. So
0: when you come and you want to be a, a, an artist, was it a solo, we don't be a solo artist. We're you trying to form a band.
1: Yeah. I want to be a solo artist. So yeah, I was writing songs and just, you know, trying to get a publishing deal, but really with the goal of trying to get signed. And how long did you kind of run that down? Um, I'd say it's hard to really pin it down because I was still playing shows around town with that idea. I'd say about five years in, I moved here in fall 2003. I'd say within about four or five years, I was pretty much gone. Yeah, I'm not really going for that anymore.
0: Did it go from, I'm not going for that anymore, right into... Oh, we should do this band. Or was there like a brief period where you're just like, I'm going to be a songwriter because I'm freaking good at
1: it. It was a good stretch where I was just going to be a songwriter. I mean, even, you know, Matt and I had been writing songs and, you know, sort of going after it. And Matt was trying to do his artist thing too. But we had been writing songs for a long time. And I'd say there's probably a good, I don't know. It's hard to do the math exactly, but I'd say a good four year stretch where we were just trying to get cuts You know, we were both still playing writer's nights and playing out. And sometimes I'd jump up with his band, you know, it's kind of that deal. But we were really just kind of resigned to being songwriters and trying to get cuts. So, yeah, there was a good stretch where I I never really foresaw having a record deal doing what we're doing right now.
0: What's that first conversation where it's like, hey, should we try something? Because you're writing songs. you're getting all right at it. Yeah. You know, you have a little success. Yeah. But did to, it to, but to go back the artist route? Like it's like starting over because
1: it's a grind. It really was. It's so weird because with us, it was a little different. It was pretty non-conventional because we started jamming together. You know, Matt was already playing with Wit and Jeff who had moved to town by that point. And Brad was the last to enter, but you know, they were playing shows as you know, Matt Ramsey basically. And he was just doing it to showcase songs. And I would jump up every once in a while. And then started showing up frequently. And so I was like, I'll just be in the band. And we were just doing it for some extra cash just to showcase songs, but it was really fun. We were all really close and we enjoyed it. But I think the switch flip was when like, uh, we got a couple cuts and then we had a hit, you know, uh, Craig Morgan, we had a top 15, which one, uh, it's called wake up loving you. Yeah.
0: Wake up loving you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, that was an old dominion staple. Like we would close our shows with that and, and then that that got on the radio, and then "Say You Do" for Dirks Bentley. He cut that, and well, it was like, one. yeah, yeah. And we started to go like, okay, well, we have hits. We know we're writing hits. These are hits, and we, you know, we had a sound. And we started to go. Our band's pretty good. I still didn't think this was going to happen. I still thought it was a pipe dream, but um, but then just people started talking. You know, like, well, these guys have hits. Their band is really good. People started to come watch us, and uh, I remember. I remember talking to Matt one day and just we had we weren't really seriously considering it, but I I remember one conversation where we started talking about Wake Up Loving You and this is before it really was a hit for Craig Morgan, but we were like, wouldn't that be cool if we played it live? We used to have this little alarm clock that that started the song. It's maybe kind of cheesy, but we thought it was cool at the time. And we started going, Wouldn't that be cool if we were playing like an arena and it was counting down to the show beginning and it was like this alarm clock, but when it hit like zero seconds to the show, like the alarm clock started to go off. And I started envisioning us playing it live to a crowd. And I think for me, that was the first time I went, yeah, the artist thing would be pretty cool to be out there and actually be delivering it to the fans. It was like the first time the spark happened again where I, I started to even consider it. Because at that point, I, I had resigned myself to living in Nashville and just writing songs.
0: It's funny you talk about how you know, you guys had written some hits and you, you were pl- cause that's how you were first told to me. Like it's a bunch of songwriters that are really good songwriters that have like formed a band. Like that was the word that gets to me three layers removed. Yeah. Right. It's like, Hey, you, you should hear these guys. And that first song you guys put out was like a, what was, it, what was the very first song you guys put out?
1: Um, I mean the first one that really hit was I "Break Up with them, but, um, is it, what was, yeah, yeah, there was, there was one before that. What was the one before that?
0: Do you remember the one they put out a little bit?
1: There was a couple on XM. All right. Okay, so that we test fired a couple. The first one, because we couldn't get arrested. We couldn't get a record deal. And, you know, they agreed to play something. That We put out one called Dirt on a Road. Okay, I don't know that one. Yeah. And then we put out one uh, called Shut Me Up, which is a very rocking kind of song. And um, that was actually, we were trying to put that out to radio. We had a, you know, a little independent. We were trying to do it independently and we were going to radio with Shut Me Up, but then uh, some stations started playing Break Up With Them. Yeah, and I
0: guess that'd be the first one, too, yeah. that that we played, too. Yeah,
1: yeah, well, when stations started just jumping on break, break Up With Them before we even were trying to promote it, we went, okay, the, the, we have a thing here, we need to switch gears.
0: Was there any sort of a couple labels going, hey, we'd like to have you? Well, no, I'd like to have you. Was it ever... Uh, no. Like, <laughs> oh, no.
1: no? No. No bidding more for Old Dominion? No. I mean, we actually, it got to a point where... I mean, you know how hard it is to make it in this town and hard to get a record deal. So it's not like I the whole time was going, why won't anybody sign us? But, you know, we, we went into this pretty mature and we had been around a while, so we understood how hard it was. But there there did hit this certain point where I'm going, our band is really good, you know, and we've written hits for other people. We obviously know how to write hits and we had some stuff already recorded that we felt sounded really good. And, uh, you know, then radio started playing some stuff and it really, everything was taking off and it seemed like, you know, and then we signed with management. We got the Kenny Chesney tour before we even had a record deal. And so we're going, man, we have this major tour. We have songs on the radio. We've written hits for other people. Like, why won't anybody sign us? Like, I I could not understand. And I started to just feel like it's never going to happen. Why do you think that people wouldn't sign you? I think we were we're a little bit older, you know, I mean, we were all in our thirties and, you know, I don't think we were old, but I think they were just, maybe had a perception that we were just songwriters.
0: And I think that's a fair perception.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that's how you were pitched around too. Yeah. And I can understand that, you know, we were, we were a little bit older and we had that perception of just being songwriters. And, you know, I mean, honestly, like we're, you know, the songs are on the radio now and and we're sort of used to it but back then it did sound a little different i think and you know i don't know that it was down the middle country so you know i think there's always a lot of reasons why it's hard to get signed you know and it just takes wedging that door open with one song a break up with them break up with them did that for us you know if there was no break up with them we might not have gotten another swing at it
0: You know, what's cool is you're 63 now and you're still making big hits. It's it's really fantastic. (laughs) I can still walk, too. It's great. (laughs) I'm going to do this uh, commercial real quick. It's a situation no one wants to experience during tax season, right? But with the breaches in the last couple of years, your information may already be exposed. And that could lead to an unfortunate discovery, finding out that a cyber criminal stole your identity and filed for your tax return. The good thing is, there's LifeLock with Norton to help you protect against Things that could happen to your identity and your devices. If you become a victim of identity theft, well, tax-related or not, LifeLock will work to fix it with a dedicated identity restoration specialist who's assigned to your case from beginning to end. Plus, with the addition of Norton Security, you'll also have protection that blocks cyber criminals from stealing from your devices. Listen, of course, no one can prevent all identity theft or cybercrime or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but you can join right now and get 10% off your first year. I have it, I love it. It's helped me out before, many times actually. Just head to lifelock.com or call 1-800-LIFELOCK, enter the promo code BONES. That's BONES for 10% off your first year. So how'd you get ready today? Did you shower, brush your teeth? Why face style your hair? I'm asking because it's as a proud member of Dollar Shave Club. I'm here to tell you that no matter what you do to get ready, Dollar Shave Club has everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. You want a clean mouth and fresh breath, right? The intense peppermint flavor of Dollar Shave Club's toothpaste will wake you up and last a surprisingly long time. Their hydrating body cleanser smells awesome. Skin fills you right after you shower. But I hope showering and brushing your teeth are just part of how you get ready. But no matter how you do... Dollar Shave Club has everything that you need, and I haven't even mentioned their razors and shave butter that everybody knows them for, including myself. Right now, you can get a Dollar Shave Club starter set for just $5 each. They got a shower set, a toothpaste, a toothbrush set, all their famous shave butter, the razor, any of those sets, just 5 bucks, and it's the best way to try out their amazing products. It's a great gift after your starter set products ship at a regular price, right? Get yours today. DollarShaveClub.com slash bones. DollarShaveClub.com slash bones. Hey, so, you know, you talk about songs you wrote for other people. I have, I have a list of them here. Uh, you mentioned Say You Do, which uh, Dark's took to number one. And you wrote this one. Did you write this one, Matt?
1: Yeah, Matt and I and Shane McAnally.
0: this.
1: Let's go back a little bit. Better Dig 2, Band Perry. Yeah, that was my first number one, actually.
0: Boy, this song was an anthem for a while it was i mean just how it starts the, all of this the production of the song that this is a big one
1: it, it was that one that was another one where i hadn't had any hits uh yet i had the Craig craigmoker one on the radio and i remember we wrote this one that was a uh, uh, me and brandy clark and shane mccannelly wrote better dig Two and shane produced the demo i mean this is before any of us i mean shane i think at that point had a number one and he was starting to get a lot of attention but um, Shane would produce a lot of the demos. And actually, Casey Musgrave sang that demo for us. That was before she had a record deal or anything. And I remember when he sent me the demo, I'm like, oh my God, like we're going to have a hit for sure. And then we still pitched that around all around town and get, couldn't get it cut. Was it as
0: intense, the demo as intense as the track ended up being produced? Mike, play a little bit from the beginning. I better dig if you can pull that out. Because it's, it hits. Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. When he sent me the demo, it, it, it was very, I mean, obviously they, you know, their production is bigger. It's a, it's a major label production, but yeah, the demo is I mean, crazy. I remember Shane sent it to me. I was out of town and he sent me the demo and, and, uh, his comment to me was, he said, I said, how's it? How's it the uh, track sound? He said, this track is going to fuck you up. <laughs> I don't know if I could say that. You can, you. Yeah, okay. yeah, there's no rules. <laughs> okay, that's
0: like international waters. I eh, do whatever you want.
1: And I that. I played it. It sounded so different. It's funny now looking at it through the lens of today because it sounded so crazy different than anything else when he he um sent me the demo and uh, yeah it was. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is gonna be the biggest Miranda hit. We're pitching it to Miranda and Carrie, yeah, Carrie Underwood and and then when the the Band Perry wanted to cut it, you know, we were like, oh, they're kind of a newer band. And it actually ended up being the best thing that could happen because when you have that song that helps really break a new artist, then it becomes like a big staple for them. So, cool.
0: I mean, like, it, and it's already dropped, You tried it up here. Ooh, I mean, it, it's strong. I mean, I think about how just intense the song with the banjo or whatever that is at the beginning. Yeah, yeah, they did such a great job on it. And Casey sang the demo, huh? Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Do you, do you still have that somewhere, like in a phone somewhere? Oh yeah, yeah. That's a cool thing for like ten
1: years from now. I know. I played because my kids are big Casey Musgraves fans too. And uh, my daughter, she's seven. She asked me to play every song I ever write. She's like, "Play me whatever songs you have." And I, and she loves Casey. And I was like, "You know what I have?" And I played it for her. She was her mind was blown. Yeah, five kids. <laughs> Four. Four kids. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, a- a- Amy, my co-host. If you don't listen to the radio show, my co-host Amy, my best friend. Uh, yeah. She was—we were on the air one day, and we were playing this game. And I was like, okay, I'll read you all the people in the band. You tell me who the band is. And I was reading all you guys. I, I'd done, like, Freddie Mercury. You know, it was, like, Third Eye Blind, everyone. And I read all of you guys' names, and she goes, ah, no idea. And I was like, <laughs> Amy, they've been in the studio, like, eight times. And friendly—yeah, she's like, I have no idea. And so— I said no. Well, that's that's Old Dominion, and she was like, "Oh, I don't know. I just gotta see them. I don't know their names." The name is the kindest person ever. <laughs> a, a little, a little fluffy sometimes, but like, airhead a little bit. But like great. And so um, she said, she texted me. She goes, um, "I'm on the flight with Trevor <laughs> <right now laughs> from Old Dominion," and he just put he. He just texted me. We're going to Disneyland, or maybe at the same time. And he just texted me and then re-signed his name again so I would know it was him. And so I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. She, she felt
1: pretty bad about that. Oh, it was funny. I I, I never remember people's names either, so I certainly didn't but, take offense. But I, did, I didn't pass up the opportunity to rub it in on Twitter. So.
0: And then she goes, hey, we hung out with Trevor. And this is what she said about you. She said, your kids were the most well-behaved kids. That she's, and you have four kids. I have four
1: kids. She's like, they're the most well-behaved kids. I have no. She said, I have no idea how you get them to behave like that. <laughs> well... I, they must have been having an on day. How how, how old your oldest? <laughs> um, fourteen. She'll be fifteen this summer. Okay. Fourteen year old kid. Yeah, And my son just turned thirteen while we were out there.
0: Yeah. Holy crap! And how old your youngest? Uh, five. You got any more coming? No. You done? Officially Are done. Are you sure? I'm. I'm well, like, let's t- hope it took. Like t- 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 <laughs> did, yeah. How rare? How recent is the? Was that? Oh, uh, it was um, two years ago. Is that painful or now? It wasn't too bad. Did you, you did like the local anesthetic or do you just go, give it to me raw. I'm just, just going to sit here and take it. Just give it to me. Give me a bullet. I'll bite it. Yeah. Bullet and some whiskey.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure. That, yeah. I think there was a local shot there that, that helped. But no, as long as you have definitely have to do what they say, they say, like, don't get up. Don't try to do anything. You're going to feel 100% and feel like, oh, I could go for a run. But they're like, don't be fooled. How long do you have to take off whenever you get that? Just a couple of days. Just ice sit
0: there in a chair with some ice. I had a Okay, so I don't have any kids, right? And I, I had a I've had a dog and for 15 years I had this dog. Loved him so much, right? And he was my, like my best friend. My, my dog's my best friend. And he still had nuts at about age 11. And they and you don't have to cut your nuts off, right? You're still having nuts, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, they're good, still there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And they were like, you got to you, you got to cut your dog's nuts off. He's been sick twice. It was the hardest thing I ever had to do. It wasn't even my nuts. Mm. And I had to snip them. It is tough. It's rough. And it does, it's not really the same, but in my heart, it's the same. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. That seems like something you got to do early otherwise. I, oh, I should have, yeah. Because yeah. at 11, it wasn't fair to him. He's like, I've had these things for 11 years. <laughs> Where'd they go? Uh, but so dogs I'm, quickly forget, though. He's fine. He's fine. Uh, I met a girl, William Michael Morgan. This is the number one. You wrote with Sam Hunt and Shane McAnally, right? She
1: yeah. Yeah. When you guys wrote this,
0: because I've heard Sam cut it. Did you guys cut it? With Sam in mind, and then he ended up not putting it on the record?
1: No, I mean, this was uh, before Sam had a record deal. So, um, I mean, in much the same way, a lot of our songs ended up. We, we don't necessarily write with ourselves in mind. And I think with Sam at that time, we didn't know what Sam was going to sound like. you know, And we weren't necessarily going, oh, does this sound like you? I mean, when you're in the beginning stages, he hadn't even signed a deal. He hadn't even cut anything in... You don't really have a direction. You're just trying to write a cool song. So it definitely sounded different, I think. When
0: you guys heard William Michael Morgan do it, were you like, holy crap, that went traditional country quick? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I remember Scott Hendricks who produced it. He was so excited, and he's like, I want you guys to come hear this. It's it's not going to sound like your demo at all, but we love it, and we want you to come hear it. And, yeah, I was blown away. I couldn't believe how different it was, but how great it sounded. It, It was cool because I think that's the coolest thing when you can write a song that... You could produce it any different way, and it's still a great song at its core. So it it was pretty cool to hear it that traditional and still love it.
0: In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. A great pair of Western boots will elevate a casual look or add a refined flair that'll draw both eyes and compliments. Takova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they'll last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Takova store where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. They offer custom branding and leather stamping if you want to personalize your boots or fine leather goods. And stay cool in short-sleeve, moisture-wicking pearl snap, or make your own shade with one of their classic straw hats, new in both men's and women's styles. And if you're planning to hit the road, Tecova's ever-growing lineup of rugged and full-grain leather bags will get you where you're headed in style and are built to last decades. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. Tacovas.com And don't go gently, (sighs) y'all. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How do the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? Through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted, audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the Birth of Outlaw Country Music.
1: This is Josh Osborne and Shane. No, that's uh, Josh and JT Harding. Oh, is that right? Yeah,
0: we had JT in here. Mm -mm. We had Josh in here.
1: You know, JT, I don't
0: think I I know JT. You should have him
1: in here. He's a riot, is he? Yes,
0: (laughs) yeah. I don't, uh, JT, we haven't had him in yet. So, you wrote this. This actually, which was you know, it's weird when a song flies up a chart, right? Because it's fun. To have a song that goes to number one, I bet, right? It's, yeah, uh, hey, yeah, yeah. Way, yeah, yeah. It's pretty fun. It's right. It's a cool <laughs> thing. And you like to get a Blake or a Luke cut or an Aldine cut, all, but they fly up the chart. They do. And yeah. it's like, here they come, and there they go. Like, you like to get them. You're happy you got them. But is there a part of you that goes, that's such a good song? Just a part of you, because most of you is not. You just want the song to be sang by Blake. That's awesome. It goes, man, it's going to be a number one. It's going to be off the chart before you can really like
1: pay your bills. Yeah, I I don't think that. No? Okay. No, because right. I've had them die. You know, I've definitely had songs that I thought were sure things and and then they die. So for me, I just go, just keep going. Go as fast as you want. Be a big hit. You know, and with that too, I think that was a three week number one and, you know, it still gets played a lot. So if if that's the case and it's going that quickly, then, then you hope it's just a big one that, you know, continues to get played. Because guys like Blake Shelton, you know, they're going to have, they have, what 30 40 singles that you know are going to be played for years so you hope that maybe you have one of those ones that gets played for years
0: the first parody that when we were just doing parodies my band the raging idiots instead of sangria we did tortilla i remember that oh do you remember that yeah oh well good for us so we, <laughs> we have pierced the consciousness of the, of the writers then we still play that sometimes I, i'll play it during comedy shows oh nice like i'll grab my guitar because that's the because at this point now i'll do stand up and i'll we still play some band shows and I think we were playing full band shows on some festivals with you guys. Like yeah. we, we play and you guys will play right after us and uh, we'd see you going, we could be coming off and you guys would be going on. I'll be like, what up? High five. Good to see you. <laughs> we suck. Sorry. Have a good show. Um, so, But now I will play that sometimes. Like I, when I do stand up because people be like play sangria or buy me a goat. <laughs> we don't really do many. We don't do a lot of parodies now, but um, we're too good for them now. We're now that we're, yeah. big, You're we're too we're, big. We're, for we're, for know, we're not too big. What are you talking about? <laughs> But yeah, that was the first one we ever did. It, it was, I sent Eddie a note. I said, hey, this Sangria song's really good. You think you could write Tortilla? And he's like, I said, you're Mexican. I really can't. <laughs> I can't write all
1: of it as, as a white guy. So that was the first parody? Yeah. That was the first one. I'm yeah. honored.
0: Yeah, it was a, it's kind of what launched the whole thing here. Uh, let, let me write Let's see here. Uh, right now on the chart, you have one that got away from uh, Michael Rates in Top 5. who you write this one?
1: Uh, Matt, I wrote this with Matt and Jesse Frazier and Josh Osborne.
0: So you're writing these songs and you go it's good,
1: but it's not good enough for us to keep. Is that what is that what it's like? No, not really. No it's because this one it was funny our manager will. he was like, you're not gonna cut this song. He, he wanted us to and we like this one you have some we have some good sense now of what a, is a hit or is not a hit. So it wasn't whether we thought it was a good song or whether it's a hit but it it's this weird science of trying to figure out what to record and not record you know and it's like it can come down to so many different things do we already have a song in this vein or or whatever but sometimes we just try to play it and it either does or doesn't sound like us and i don't know there's no definition for that there's just there's just a gut feeling so a lot of songs we try out and we did we we definitely considered this one pretty strongly but you know, we didn't do it. And it wasn't because we didn't like it. We immediately started to pitch it because we did feel like it was a hit.
0: Yes, I, I look at this list here: one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I see. I don't know if this is an accurate number, but I see ten number ones total. Is that about right? I think so. So, when you write these songs that go number, I just wonder what it's like in this this per, this dynamic with the band. And it's like if everybody's writing songs. And obviously, you want your song to get put on the record. Because mm-hmm. again, you got to keep the lights on at the house. Right. You got 19 <laughs> kids to feed. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's, it, Does that dynamic ever get a little bit dicey? Does it ever go to a vote where it's like, he's got this song and it feels the same as this song? Yeah,
1: I don't think it really has come down to that yet. Um, Because ultimately whatever the best song is, is best for the band.
0: Now, don't if it, you feel like your song, like if it's close, don't you feel like your song is the best? Cause
1: well, I would. That's the hard part. Now I don't see, I might be the opposite. I might be inclined to, to not vote for my song, you know? Um, but you know, y'all get a sense. I mean, it's, it's a five opinion kind of thing, democracy. So I do feel like sometimes if say, if there's two songs that it's, it's such a tie and they're so close, And maybe, you know, a few of us wrote the one where maybe only one of us wrote the other one. Maybe it could come down to that tiebreaker where we go, look, this is an absolute tie. The tie goes to the fact that more of us wrote this one. I think it it hasn't come down to that yet, but I I could see it coming down to that. But at some point, you just got to set it aside and go, you know, if this is what everybody feels like is the best move for us, then that's just got to be the best move. So
0: is there anyone in the band that, doesn't write as much like they go, like you know what you guys are the real songwriters i'm just gonna play my instrument and be, a, be an on-stage rock star
1: yeah i mean um well matt and brad and i ri- do most of the writing you know i mean we've been writing in nashville for years with publishing deals and really doing the nashville songwriting thing you know so uh, you know jeff and wit also write you know they played in bands for years and played original stuff and you know what they do is definitely a big part of the writing and a part of the sound but yeah i mean in the conventional Nashville songwriting way. Yeah, it's it's mostly Matthew and Brad and I.
0: I would think as someone who try again, I just love the the dynamics of a group because I'm in a group myself, right? My morning show's a group. I have eight personalities. I mean, I'm the boss, but still like Amy matters sometimes more than mine does because she if she's not good, I'm not good. You know, Lunchbox, so I have the and then I have a band and then I have you know all these different like groups where the 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 group dynamic really does affect things. What if, like, why, why, or why are you not the lead singer? Like, when was that a conversation? Because I'm not as
1: good of a singer. Is that really what it comes down to? <laughs> well, no, I mean, yeah, first of all, I mean, Brad is a great singer, but I think Matt is one of the best singers I know. I just think he's got a lot of character to his voice, and he's just got a great voice. And that, no, that was never in question. I think I was a fan of Matt before I ever thought about being in the band. You know, even when we wrote together, if he was playing, playing out somewhere, I'd, I'd go watch him. Don't you, know. you want
0: to peel one off, though, will be like, I got this one, boys.
1: <laughs> I don't really. I know Brad does. I mean, Brad sang one on the last record. I think there's a part of Brad that would love to put out his own record or maybe sing more, which I would be all in favor of. I think Brad is a great singer. The Eagles, they all sing, right? Yeah.
0: Most of them. Most all of them. The Goo Goo Dolls, I hate it when their basses sing, though. I don't know if you ever listened to Goo Goo Dolls. He did? Like two tracks. It'd be like... <laughs> Johnny Resnick would sing the songs, and like two tracks, he'd throw a bone to the bassist, and I'd be like, here I am. It was this
1: weird, I weird know. thing. I, I didn't know that, actually. I knew like the, in the recent like Weezer records, you know, they'd have like I, a And I hate that, so. too. Yeah, I hate yeah. that because I'm a huge Weezer fan. Because once you've already established like, yeah. hey, this guy is the sound of the band, I think it's harder. That was the thing with Brad last album. Like, I was glad he got one in, and I thought like, man, it would be cool if we had two or three, you know, um, to establish it early because once you don't establish it early, then it's not going to sound like your band. But I do love how the Eagles, you know, they had Glenn Fry and Don, uh, Don Henley and even, you know, some of the other guys sang one. I can't tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, like obviously the Beatles, I, I do love that when there's a versatility, but it's a little bit harder to do in today's musical climate, I guess. I mean, people have short attention span. They're not going to realize it's old dominion if it's not Matt singing. So,
0: And, and I, I agree with what you're saying, but I, also, if someone gets sick, someone can, can cover pretty easily yeah. and do the songs. Or if someone gets <laughs> kicked out of the band, I'm just saying. <laughs> like the if ba- Matt fires one of us. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> stop it. Like the Bare Naked Ladies, right? This, they kicked out the singer, Steven. They did? Him. He's not even in the band anymore. Really? They got together for the Canadian. I'm a big Bare Naked Lady fan. Um, they got together for the Canadian Hall of Fame, but they kicked him out years ago. And so Ed, the guy who does the rapping, who can also sing, is now the full singer. But because he had sang so much early, it's not that weird. Yeah, yeah. Because now you just go, oh, and like the drummer sings a little bit. All he's got to do is he's got to go, it's been. Yeah. If he can do that, then it's. <laughs> I, man, I, I used to drive to the, I used to work in a marina. You have any jobs before?
1: Yes. Like, what'd you do? Oh, man. I, well, the one that I had most recently, I worked at Best Buy here in Cool Springs. Doing? For like eight years, home theater. For eight years? I think it was seven or eight years down here. Yeah, what even a, through like two publishing deals, I still had my job there. Doing just sold TVs, surround sound systems. Yeah,
0: crazy. I used to work. The reason I talk about the marina is I used to drive to the marina every day when I was filling up boats and fixing boats and driving around pontoons. And that song, it's been. That, I mean, <laughs> that song reminds it's me. It's been. Yeah, of yeah. driving to the to the, to the marina. Uh, oh, by the way, let me mention this. You have Kelsey's song. I hate
1: love songs. Yes. Yeah. This is this one too. I hate Who'd you write this with? I wrote it with Kelsey and Shane McAnally. Yeah.
0: You and Shane write a lot together?
1: We do. Well, we used to. <laughs> we both have kind of don't see each other as much. But yeah, I mean, the funny thing people, you know, you think of like Shane McInally or Josh Osborne and these guys, like, oh, these big hit songwriters. But when we started out, you know, the band, we have the band arc, you know, as part of our story. But really the songwriting arc, you know, Matthew and I and Shane and Josh and Matt Jenkins and Brandy Clark we didn't have anything going on back then. So, I mean, we used to write with each other all the time and, and just had this kind of sound with each other. So, I mean, we've written hundreds of songs probably together. Yeah.
0: It's funny to see whenever they uh, mixed you guys and brothers Osborne up. Oh yeah. First of all, you don't even look the same. (laughs) There's really nothing close in brothers Osborne. I guess there are two words. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I've tried to figure it out too. too. I have to,
1: what do you think it is?
0: I, I don't know because there are two guys in that band i guess i would understand if it were like an fgl thing where it's another duo or a dan and Shay, and they're mixing up the duo
1: yeah i mean they're taller they sound different there's really not there
0: <laughs> I, I love it though it, now it's funny because yeah. you guys have both kind of made a name for yourself in different ways you're you know both successes it's it is really funny and now it's a thing because it's happened
1: yeah. so many times. But I don't know why they keep mixing you guys up. I really don't know. Like now, like sometimes I'm like, do those people really mix us up or are they just in on the joke now? But yeah, that's funny.
0: Does the old you guys ever go? Do you, have you played at school? Old school, Old Dominion? Uh,
1: yeah, we played there. I think last summer was that a thing or no? Um, do they care? I don't. I can't remember. I don't feel like they hyped it up too much as Old Dominion at Old Dominion. I think there was a little bit of element of that. But I don't know. Was it weird to have
0: the name? Was there any legal thing? Like you can't call yourself Old Dominion?
1: Yeah. Actually, we almost weren't called Old Dominion. What was that story? Um. Well, so early on, you know, it's so hard to pick a band name. You know, it's like the worst thing you can possibly have to do because you're always self-conscious. You know everybody's going to rip on you and shoot down anything everything you throw out Everything's stupid. There. Everything, everything, is everything stupid. Everything's stupid, yeah. Definitely. Um, so, you know, we had to sit there and go, okay, well, we're not going to be named Matt Ramsey or whatever. Let's figure out a band name or a band. And so we had tried so hard and we finally settled on Old Dominion. Matt said that one day. He's like, the only thing I could think of that's related to Virginia that hasn't been taken is Old Dominion. And We were like, well, what's wrong with that? So -hmm. we were Old Dominion for like maybe two years and started to get some steam. You know, we had some things going. We had already put out a couple songs on iTunes. And then uh, we were talking to our attorney and he's like, man, I'm just really concerned about the legalities of this, you know, you got the peanut company and you got the trucking company and you got the university and, and the beer. And, um, so man, we, we actually got to the point where we were sitting at a bar in Nashville trying to come up with a new name and pretty much having a band fight. And then I finally, I don't know, I can be stubborn sometimes, but I was like, you know what? This is stupid. I'm like, we can be called the old dominion. And uh, they were like, well, no, our attorney says we could get sued. And I said, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, there is, there is a university, there is a peanut company. They're, they're not suing each other. There are already multiple dominions. And so I'm like, I'm not doing this. I'm going to call the attorney. And our attorney was like, man, I don't know. He said, really, you're probably right. Except the university is the one I'm afraid of. Um, Because they have a marching band. They have merchandise that they sell. So I was like, okay, well, I'm going to get a hold of somebody. So I sat there all day and tracked down somebody at the university and just asked people until I got to the right person. And I said, Hey, we're this band. We've been operating under this name. We already have songs out. You know, is this an issue? And they said, no, as long as you don't use our logo, we're not worried about it. You're good. And so I took it back to the guys and I'm like, does this satisfy everybody? And they're like, Okay, I guess we're still old Dominion. you got it in writing <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> that that's the play. Get it in writing,
1: yeah, so you it was me- all out of like futility of being able to come up with a new name. you remember any of the names you guys talked about i mean i I do know they were all awful, um but man i I can't remember. I do remember playing the wild horse one time when we were in limbo and, and we were like, let's just be, let's just tell her we're fried eagle. The girl would announce us when we would play the wild horse As she, and she, you know, she'd go, what, what do you guys call? Sometimes we'd just be Matt Ramsey or whatever. And one time uh, she was like, uh, how do you want me to announce you? And Matt was like fried eagle. She's like, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, fried eagle. <laughs> uh, that's pretty funny.
0: I thought the video of you guys playing, was it the wild horse when there was like one couple dancing? Oh yeah. Yeah. The guard great video. Song.
1: That was, I couldn't believe Matt still had that on his computer.
0: It was just, a, and I mean that in the most sincere way. It was, here you here you guys are. You've got all these hits as a band. you got all these hits as writers. And you're playing to no one, right? And there's yeah. an old couple that are, it looks like they're two-stepping, to that summer. And yeah. join from memory. Yeah, that summer. Uh, that summer. And it was a, hey, look, even we, like, struggled our brains out and nobody would come to our shows. Yeah. And look at us now. And it wasn't look at us now, like, look at us now. But I was like, freaking look at us now. Like, we can do this. You guys can do this. Yeah. I was
1: inspired by the video. I thought that was a pretty cool post. It was really cool. I mean, that, like you said, that was that was before any of the hits or anything. That was and fried uh, eagle days, man. Yeah, it was fried eagle days. That well, might have been
0: the night we've announced ourselves as fried eagle. I was watching, uh, speaking of band names, I was watching that Motley Crew. Uh, it's a biopic on Netflix. Have you seen the previews for it? I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it. It's kind of a disaster, but you almost have to watch it. Like, I'm such a music nerd. Like, give me any sort of biography or a biopic. Like, I'll watch it. I just consume music. And so I'm like, let me watch this thing. And there's a whole scene where they're, they're coming up with their name, Motley Crue. And I guess one of their names before it was Motley Crue was... X M A S S, like Xmas, like Xmas with a pentagram. <laughs> oh my god. It was so bad. <laughs> but that was really one of their names. And I was thinking when I was watching that, I was like, ninety-nine point nine percent of band names are so stupid. We just accept them because they get a hit and they're said so much right. over the, over time. I remember Florida Georgia
1: line when they when yeah, they came was like, out. I'm kind of like, that's the dumbest the- name ever. And now it's just their name. It's just part of it's just
0: words it's that make sense to us.
1: I do remember Tire Fire. That was one of them we threw out. Tire Fire. Or like let's just be called Tire Fire. Tire Fire. Yeah. And I, yeah, and you sit there and go, "This is a terrible, terrible it, name." It but sounds like,
0: dirt. It sounds like gr- dirty, gross, grimy, like some backyard. Like you like, guys are grimy. Yeah, exactly. Like dirty and grimy. So, um, talk to me about like uh, this whole new record that you guys have. Do you guys play on the record? We do. Which is cool because that doesn't happen a lot in town.
1: It doesn't. It's very rare, and uh, I think it's part of what makes us. You know, people a lot of times will tell us, "Oh, you guys sound like you." It sounds like Old Dominion, and it's, I think partly because we we play. You know, we it's it's us five, and then this time like Dave Cohen has played keys and come in and done some different things, so he's he's a big part of it too. Um, but almost aside from Dave, every note, every choice, everything is you know us playing and Shane producing and directing. So I think for we always say for better or worse, you know, it makes it sound like us because you know we have limitations. We're not all Studio level people, but you know, like um, I think that gives us a fingerprint.
0: Yeah, I think it's cool. I mean, and for those that aren't familiar, a lot—I'll even say most records, um, even with bands, they'll bring in specifically trained session players that their life is actually playing. You know, these guitar parts or the keys, or um, but I, I, I always like when when bands will, will as use their own people as much as possible.
1: Yeah. I do, too, because, you know, if you use all the same guys that everyone is using, sometimes those tracks start to sound all the same. You ever the, see
0: the Beach Boy stuff, or what they used to do?
1: Um, you know, I've heard some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, Brian Wilson.
0: Yeah, like he would stay back,
1: and they would get the record crew, and the record crew play all the
0: songs. And they would go out and tour, and Brian Wilson just stays back in, in the studio. and you know is Mad just genius. Just making everything <laughs> up, and they have all the answers. And sometimes the Beach Boys don't even play on the records. Uh-huh. You know, they come in and sing. But the records will pretty much be done. They, yeah. they go out and make all the money touring. You know, Brian Wilson's in with all the wrecking crew. You ever see the wrecking crew documentary on Netflix? I
1: have not seen God, that one. That's so good. There's a there's another one. Have you ever seen a Standing Standing in the Shadows of Motown? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've watched that. I think it's a similar thing, right? Have
0: Yes. Have you... And we're just going to play Have You Seen. Um, but... Uh, I haven't seen hardly anything. It's because you're a dad with four kids. I just never watch anything. Well, I don't have a girlfriend, so I'm watching everything. (laughs) Like, what can I watch next? There's one that's uh, about um, guitar players in bands, like famous guitar players that that maybe you recognize. But and then it just goes through their stories, and it's pretty cool. And there's there's another background singer one where it's like it's like two feet from stardom or something, Mm -hmm.
1: which is fantastic. I've heard about that one. It's so good because
0: it's like they're so close and it's all these humongous acts that're background singing yeah. with and like singing
1: for Michael Jackson and people like that like Sheryl yeah. Crow
0: yeah one of the most famous stories was a legit Michael Jackson background singer yeah which is crazy so anyway are you like do you practice still
1: my instrument yeah i mean i, th- I every day pretty much is practice well not every day but when we're on the road i mean we're playing the show, you know, we're doing sound check. I mean, we with those songs I guess you're playing songs you've played over and over, but I guess it keeps your skills up to some level. But you know, I'm also not like a lead guitar player where I'm going to sit there and practice my scales. I think for me, I'm more of a song person. I think ultimately the the biggest thing I contribute to the band is the songwriting aspect. So I'm always practicing that, you know, I think every day.
0: What's your favorite song you've you've written that that we would know that has made the light of day?
1: Um man, it's so hard. Uh well I don't know if this is the light of day necessarily it wasn't a single, but there's a song on a Keith Urban album I wrote called the Come Back to Me that I wrote with Shane and Brandy Clark. It's just one of my favorite songs. Pull that out we've Mike. ever
0: written. Like to hear a little bit of this one here. If it's your favorite, you know what? It's
1: my favorite. <laughs> this the jam here. Yeah. yeah. Just the lyric. It's just I think one of the best lyrics what is this that we've on? written. Um,
0: uh, is it Fuse? Yeah. Yep. What's the one song of yours that you thought would never really amount to? Well, that's a weird question because you know you didn't write you don't write them to be discarded, right? But you write it and you go, ah, I don't know.
1: Let's just put it out there, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, bam. Um. Well, I loved the song, so it's not because I didn't like the song, but I met a girl. Really, uh, you, you know, it was a, William, Michael Mar, uh, William Michael Morgan was a new artist. He did he just signed a record deal. And so a lot of those come along where, oh, there's this new artist. We're going to try to cut your song on them. And, and you go, oh, cool. You know, you're not jumping up and down or anything. You just think that's a cool thing. Um, so for a new artist to come out with a song like that, and then it'd be on the chart for a year and go all the way to number one, that one, I definitely didn't see that coming.
0: Which one of these did you write and go, yep, yeah, that's a hit
1: um better dig two was one took a while for it to happen after i wrote it but yeah yeah that was definitely one um let me think what else you know um i would say uh song for another time i felt like when we wrote that one we were almost we actually we were done with the album and then we wrote that and we we sound checked it in a stadium one day and i was like "Eh, this is a hit this this feels like a big song so we went back in and recorded it just for that album.
0: And a song we've never heard of that you thought this is going to be a jam and it wasn't.
1: Um, hmm. Oh, was so many. <laughs> Actually, a lot of them, you think that and then you, you go back and listen. And you're like, oh, yeah, it wasn't as good as I thought. But, um. Hmm.
0: Was it one of those Tire Fire songs,
1: huh? Yeah, tire man, we have a couple. I will fire? tell you, I, I go down the rabbit hole sometimes in my iTunes, you know, with all my Demos and work tapes, and sometimes pull up the worst song. You know, people go, "Oh, you guys are such great! You every song you write is great." And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> I mean, like, we'll pull them up on the bus sometimes and crack up about how bad some of the songs we've written are.
0: Favorite band growing up?
1: Um, also a very hard question because I loved everything. But um, in high school, I was a big Faith No More fan. Wow. Got, got into, yeah, Faith No More and Nirvana. Peter, sitter. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, man. But it's funny. I, I love stuff <laughs> like that, but then I would love, like, the super sappy, like, slow 70s ballads, too. Faith No More. Yeah. Interesting. And Weezer. I was a big Weezer fan in yeah. college. Are you still a big Weezer fan? Because I'm still a big... How old
0: are you right now? Uh, I'm 44. Okay. So, generally, same here. I'm 38. I was... I, was, I wear my... I have clear frames on now, but I wear my glasses because of Rivers Cuomo. And I thought with Rivers and Buddy Holly, I thought if those two nerds can be cool, like it gave me confidence to be cool. Uh-huh. Like I loved Weezer that much. And I still love Weezer.
1: Do you still love Weezer? I do. Actually, I went You know, I went through a phase there for a while where I didn't really check out anything new they were doing. But then a couple of years ago, I, I kind of got back in and, you know, you, you look at a band like that and go, I used to just, you know, hang on every album, wait till it came out, you know? And so I'm like, I haven't heard any of these albums. And actually like Pacific daydream is like, I listened to it and that's one I'll listen to like all the way through. Like it's one of my favorite Weezer albums and it was not too long ago. They put that out. And
0: part of the reason is we don't hang on albums at all anymore. Right. Which is why your two albums are so good. That I'm like, (laughs) I I was uh, saying on the air the other day, and when I talk on the radio, I imagine nobody hears what I say. I have to, or I'll never say anything. Uh huh. So I have to imagine that it doesn't get out. I'm yeah. just talking to my friends or I would just cover everything I say. Right. And I was talking about you guys and I was like, you know what? I think they're my new favorite band. I think they're one of my top three because pound for pound, all your songs are good. Like, I don't know that you have a, t- if tomorrow never comes in my heart yet, but there has not been enough time yet. Uh huh. Well, although one man band is the jam. Kobe, <laughs> like right now it's in my, it's in my, my top 10,
1: but I think you guys might. Yeah. Like I'm a big, big fan. I really am. I really, really appreciate you saying that. It's funny. We didn't know when we first came out, we were like, I don't think Bobby likes us.
0: <laughs> you know, I probably didn't. <laughs> and Not that I didn't like you, but I just didn't know. And I don't want to be false with anyone.
1: Oh yeah. I'm like, with you ever because I can't like, lie when I don't like something. It's hard for me to, you would never believe me if I told you I liked something. So. I can't remember if I lie.
0: That's why I don't lie, because I'm I do I do, this I do the show I do stand up I'm writing books. If I lie, I just don't remember. Yeah, because I would lie. I'd, I'd, I'd be great at lying. I'd be fantastic. <laughs> I'd lie all the time. But help me, I just can't remember. Yeah. And so, I don't. I mean, I remember you guys would come in, and it was like not that I didn't like it. I didn't know yet, and I don't yeah. want you to feel. I wasn't gonna lie and be like, oh, totally. But now when you guys come in, I'm like, Hall of Fame, put them in right now, <laughs> get them out. They're, it's them. I love it. Yeah, I do. I'm a huge for the I hope you know when I say that I'm from all sincerity. Like I mean it. No, I feel yeah. like, I appreciate like it. That that one man band. Well, listen, I uh, can't wait for the record. Um, Make an interesting story. Faith no more. Did not expect that, <laughs> but I guess I did.
1: You know, we all come from such diverse backgrounds. and It's yeah. okay to love every kind of music. And well, I just was a song person. That's why it's hard when you ask that. I'm like, man, it's so hard for me to say because I was more. You know, my my parents didn't have a favorite band. There wasn't one thing we listened to. So I just was a station flipper. So, I mean, it's like, it's really hard to say what influenced me. Everything did, you know? I mean, I grew up in Detroit, so it was like, we had Motown. We had great rap and hip-hop. We had rock as Detroit Rock City. It was like, I just love songs. And I think that's why I gravitated so much to songwriting. And you had Napster, which
0: was a big deal for us because we were the first real group of people to be able to get anything and everything, not based on the region we lived in, right. not based on what our parents had in their collections, not based on what the the record store, the CD store had, and you know, again, based on where you were, they'd stock up on certain things. Yeah, we had freaking Napster where you would go. I think I'll take every song that starts with S. Hit enter, <laughs> then go to sleep and totally. you get every song and you just hit play.
1: I discovered so much music that way.
0: Yeah, me too. I
1: actually found an old. I was cleaning something out and I found an old I found an old uh, burned CD that I had made like. 15, 20 years ago. I don't remember what it was labeled, but I'm like, oh my God. I used to just... Stolen from Napster. Yeah. Stolen from Napster. <laughs> Probably 30 songs on there.
0: Hey, well, listen, man. I appreciated this. It's, it's been a good talk. It's yeah. been an hour with you. Um, you know, uh, T. Rosen 41 on Instagram. Why 41,
1: by the way? Uh, it was my hockey number in college. So it's always been... You played hockey in college? I did, yeah. What is that?
0: That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> if I didn't have to go do this American Idol, I have to go do this American Idol a hit because I'm on uh, on tonight... Um, I would stand to talk about hockey.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, the I'll, next I'll come
0: back sometime. All right, there go. Trevor, well, Rosen, part two, episode one sixty seven of the BobbyCast Cast uh, from Old Dominion, and uh,
1: well, thank you very much yeah. for having me. Before I know, I cut off. Appreciate Matt. it, man.
0: Yeah. All right, well, uh, we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. We are the one, two, three 2, Losers! What up? I'm Lunchbox, and I know the most about sports. So I'll give the sports facts, my sports opinions, because I'm pretty much a sports genius. Hey, and I'm Eddie, and I know the least about sports. I'm your average sports fan, your sports watcher. I just don't know the who's who's or the what's what's. What's up? I'm Ray. I'm from the North. I'm an alpha male, a Yankee. I love ice fishing. And if you go to a bar and you see a guy shotgunning a beer, that's probably me. <laughs> and together, we are the Sore Losers! We love to talk about sports, even though we're not right all the time. Check out our podcast, The Sore Losers, on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get podcasts. In every pair of Tacova's boots, you can expect handmade quality, first wear comfort, and timeless Western style. Tacova's boots are always made from premium bovine and exotic leathers, and with occasional resoling, they will last a lifetime. The best way to shop for boots is at your local Tacova store, where you'll be greeted by the smell of fresh leather and a friendly smile. Come on in, grab a cold one, get fitted by a pro, and shop the latest styles. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. And don't go gently, y'all.